Welcome to the Tiny Film Invasion here on WMSC 91.7 FM. The Tiny Film Invasion is sponsored by M Magazine, Milwaukee's lifestyle magazine, providing editorial on home, health, fashion, arts and culture, and dining in Milwaukee. It's available monthly in print, online, and as a complimentary digital edition app. This month's issue is the Epicurean issue, featuring stories on the best places for Milwaukee foodies to find gourmet items along with local market owners, talking shop, and more. More information is available at mmagazinemilwaukee.com. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Blythe. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher. That's me. It is cold outside. That's the first bit of news we want to deliver. I'm declaring that, that winter is finally coming to Milwaukee. Oh, you no gopher. S- <laughs> You're a little gopher. It's a little winter. Is it cold? Boof, what? Is it cold? It's cold. I'm going back down. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's cold. It's finally here, everyone. Uh, so cold means holiday season means Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Right? Very simple equation. <laughs> Today we wanted to have a tiny news desk. This is our first tiny news desk without our co-host Megan. Yeah. This is her This is her favorite segment that we do. So Megan, if you're listening, this is for you. We're feeling your void today. So we thought we would uh, kick off with a... Um, a little discussion of Star Wars, but a spoiler-free discussion yeah. of Star Wars. We argued about this because I wanted a 100% spoiler show, and we decided that that might be a mistake. It would be a mistake for me personally because I haven't seen it yet, have I you? I haven't either, but I feel like I could still spoil the movie for people. <laughs> no, we're going to discuss Just by it. by saying, what are you doing with your lives? <laughs> Things like that. I'm really excited for the movie. and When are I, you planning to see it? See, that's I had a ton of people last night say, you're going to be up at 4 a.m.? Because The Oriental is showing the movie throughout the evening, starting tonight at like 7. Like nonstop marathon? They're showing it throughout the night. There's a 4 a.m. screening. There's a tw- There's a midnight something or other. Oriental, I love you. Yeah, you're stronger people than I to stay up for 24 hours, essentially. Um But yeah, so they're do- there's a lot of people I know who are going to like really late in the night screenings or... People who you know are going to see it, you know, instantly. I'm going to wait like a week and a half. I have I get too crowd scared <laughs> for like big movies like this. Stay away from me! Don't touch me! Yeah, if I if it's a movie that's like uh, not as huge as Star Wars and it's opening night, maybe I'll see it. But yeah, I like to wait a couple of days, thin it out a bit. Mm. But I enjoy. But I get the excitement of seeing it with a crowd of people who are as dedicated to the film as you. I mean that I can totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, my whole family is gathering uh, up in North Dakota for Christmas, so we're all waiting to see it together. Oh, yeah. So that won't be, I think, until the 24th. Okay. So I'm desperately trying to stay off the Twitter enough Yeah. so that I don't know what happened. Yeah. Here I, are some things that I can tell you. Yeah. Carrie Fisher tweeted a picture of her costume and immediately deleted it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Fisher... I don't think understands the rules that which she's supposed to live by. <laughs> did you see the interview that she did with uh, no, Good Morning I America? About, I heard about it. it she saying. did an interview on Good Morning America mm-hmm. with her dog. Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, it was, she was being interviewed. She brought her dog as like uh, her friend sitting yeah. next to her. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen this. You love dogs, Christopher. I do. I didn't know there's a, I did not hear the dog part. I just heard she said some weird stuff. <laughs> she said a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> And it's fantastic. Oh, that's great. I have a lot to catch up on. Uh, the one thing that I do know um, about uh, Star Wars is that people, which is really exciting to me personally, yeah. people are saying that it passes the Bechdel test. 
The what test? The Bechdel test. What's that? Seriously? Oh, how do you how do you spell what you're saying? Oh, the test about people talking, women talking yeah. to each other. Okay, yeah, I just maybe I haven't heard it. I've only read the ah, word. Ah, Alison yeah. Bechdel is a. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Great. You yeah, know what I'm talking sure. about. Uh, she wrote a comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For right. for many years. She also, um, her book turned into a very, Broadway play, yeah. yes, Broadway musical called Fun Home. And if you haven't seen anything about that, go yeah. check out the, the girl who stars in it. Just broke my heart during the Tonys. Her song was yeah. amazing. So anyway, so she came up with this rule which is now known as the Bechdel test, which is uh, your uh, film passes if you have two or more women speaking to each other about something other than a man. (laughs) And I'm telling you that only 50% of the movies made pass this test. I actually thought it was a smaller percentage. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. And uh, 2014 is 55.4%. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, So this one passes, which is a huge step forward for uh, every woman who would like to more closely identify yeah. with anyone in Star Wars. For sci-fi movies in general, yeah. I would imagine it, I bet that if you broke it down by genre, I bet sci-fi films or things of that action films, much smaller percentage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I don't know why I've never heard her name said out loud. Oh, I think I've only read maybe it. Maybe I'm pronouncing it and also, I but I think that's... you said best gel test. Oh, right. Well, and I was like, that seems like a footwear... <laughs> <laughs> standard of it's some sort. It's a comfortable movie. Well, it won't hurt your feet. That's true. This is a news desk show, and we're going to tell you a lot of different news, but let's just do all the Star Wars news right up front. Again, oh, shall we? Again, no, no spoilers, just this, uh, you outside Star Wars news. Do you know how far away I'm staying away from, how far away I'm staying from spoilers? Yeah. I'm going to read you some reviews from the original Star Wars movie from 1977. <laughs> yeah. That's how far away I stand. We're going to go back a couple We're not going to hurt decades. anyone out there. Perfect. No one's little heart is going to break to find out what happened. Hopefully you've seen the 1977 movie. If you haven't, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Sam Adams from IndieWire put together a selection of reviews of the original That's film. So fun. Which That's great. Which just are wonderful. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Yeah. But I really like how they described it. And something that occurred to me was... Was how I, when I saw the the first film, I yeah. was really young and I I didn't have any sort of uh, context, like an adult context, right. to be like, oh, this is how it fits into cinematic history. Right. And then when I started thinking that way, it was already Star Wars was the thing. Yeah. So I don't think that I've really thought about it <clears throat> from this perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Roger Ebert uh, talks about how. Um, it is uh, really like the the characters are <laughs> really reminiscent of the Wizard of Oz, oh, I which is interesting. C three PO, the Tin Man, right? The mm-hmm. lion. Yep, there you go. Um, so, and he also talks about how the hardware is fr- is from Flash Gordon of two thousand one. <laughs> the chivalry is from Robin Hood. The heroes are from westerns, and the villains are a cross between Nazis and sorcerers. <laughs> he gave it four stars. Yeah. You can see that, and I'm sure it's a lot of that is um, either intentional or just heavily influenced right. George Lucas being a film school generation. Right. His friend Gene Siskel, gave three and a half stars, Uh-oh. said, Star Wars is expected to be a big hit. If that turns out to be the case, then coupled with the success of Rocky, a message will have been sent by filmgoers to Hollywood, give us old-fashioned escapist movies with happy endings. <laughs> All right. There's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. There isn't. Yeah. Um, 
Charles Champlin from the Los Angeles Times said Star Wars is Buck Rogers with a doctoral degree, but not a trace of neuroticism or cynicism. Ooh, very, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And then there's Ron Pennington from The Hollywood Reporter that already proclaimed it. Uh, Star Wars will undoubtedly emerge as one of the true classics of the genre of science film, science fiction fantasy films. So, uh, yeah, pretty auspicious beginning. Um, except for except Pauline Cal from The oh, New Yorker, who said, uh, there's no breather in the picture, no lyricism. The only attempt at beauty is in the double sunset. It's enjoyable on its own terms, but it's exhausting, too, like taking a pack of kids <laughs> to the circus. The excitement of those who call it the film of the year goes way past nostalgia to the feeling that now is the time to return to childhood. I will say, uh, in defense of taking a pack of children to the circus, I would like to watch someone take a pack of children to the circus because that would be funny, but I wouldn't want to do it myself. (laughs) So if Star Wars is taking a pack of children to the circus, fantastic. (laughs) So uh, there you go. We talked about Star Wars without revealing anything. That's true. Hopefully, by the next time we talk about it, we both have seen it and can actually discuss the film itself. That's true. All right. I think we're going to do a soundtrack, but I've got one afterwards. I have one more bit of Star Wars. Oh, good. News. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the our soundtrack today is from a, a bit of news that came out that um, they the Oscars announced all seventy seven songs that are eligible for contention for best original that's song a lot of the of year, songs. and we thought we would play for you three songs that will not get nominated. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fact. Feel pretty confident they won't. Yeah. They're lovely songs. It's just the way that the system goes. <laughs> yeah. You ain't winning. Okay, so this first one is from the film Dukhtar, which is a Pakistani film, and um, it is sung by Rahat Fateh Ali Khan who is the grandson of the great Pakistani singer Fatah Ali Khan, um, a Qawwali singer. Fantastic. Every sentence you're saying says this won't win. Won't win. Right. But I love this song. Yeah. This is Ya Rahim Alamala. Welcome back to the Tiny Film Invasion here on WMSE 91.7 FM. I'm Blythe, and I'm here with Christopher. We're having a Tiny News Desk edition. This just in. This just in. We talked about Star Wars. That's true. Without ruining anything. No, with, I feel like, like accentuating your experience for the evening. <laughs> or the wait. Or the middle of the night. Cannot wait. Uh, one person who is not excited about Star Wars opening is our old friend Quentin Tarantino. Oh, you're kidding. Turns out he's got a problem with something. Yeah. <laughs> Tom just, I can't Making say faces. Yeah, I can't say making faces for the radio. <laughs> Um, so he's calling out Disney because um, the day before Star Wars is set to open, uh, just over a week ago, Hateful Eight, uh, or a week before, rather, Hate- Hateful Eight rolled out in 70 millimeter. And uh, the push for finding screens because he's showing on 70 millimeter 
it's kind of specific. You have to have it in certain spots. So I, I don't even. Are you seriously that he's whining about he's whining, getting pushed around because of Star Wars? Yeah. Well, apparently he had a contract with ArcLight Arc Light Cinemas Cinerama Dome in L.A. And it's supposed Star, to be pretty fantastic yeah, venue. And uh, Star Wars uh, pushed for them to play Star Wars a bit more throughout the holidays there, which kind of edged out a contract Quentin Tarantino already had with them. So, uh, he mad. He said, uh, it's vindictive, it's mean, and it's extortion. By the way, before I finish this, I edited this statement substantially. He said, it's vindictive, it's mean, and it's extortion. I'm sure that's no exaggeration from Quentin Tarantino. I made a lot of money for the Disney Corporation. And uh, then he said a bunch of expletives. He did? Does Disney I'm not sure his films? What? Can we fact check that? Was Miramax... Is there a plot fact out there we can check his statement? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, Early years found him flourishing at Miramax, which was a part of the Disney Corporation umbrella in the 90s. Um, He added he had no beef with J.J. Abrams, with whom he is friendly. Please tell me he said no beef. Uh, no, this is a this is not a quote, but uh, but he with he had a relationship with J.J. Abrams briefly when he appeared in a couple episodes of Alias, which is one of our favorite shows. We've watched it too many times. And I here's feel my theory. One coming on. Here's my theory. He uh, he doesn't have a beef with J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams has a beef with Quentin Tarantino because he was so crappy. In his movie, in his TV show. This is his revenge 10 years later. I love it. His acting is so terrible that even though it was two episodes of a show he had 15 to 20 years ago, (laughs) he's still upset. And he's like, any way I can push him out of a theater, I'm going to do it. It's just a theory. The views of Christopher Pollard are not reflected by those of WMC or its parent company, But they Disney do reflect the tiny Miramax. film invasion. <laughs> I stamp that. <laughs> we had a pretty awesome discussion after our uh, our show last week about Spike Lee's latest film. When, uh, we mentioned that perhaps Spike could use an editor right. because it goes a little long. It gets a little meandery. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, I think you said, much like much Quentin like Tarantino. And Tarantino. And as we walked out of the studio... Our producer Tom and other members of the staff, we all gathered <laughs> yeah. around and talked about how much Quentin yeah. Tarantino needed an editor and some other help, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. There He's, was some he definitely dissent. elicited some strong responses. Yeah, from not people. everyone shared our opinion. We had a lively conversation, uh, but yeah, he, he's uh, he's mad all the time. He kind of or is. Just, he's not mad. He's just over the top, and uh, and I feel like this. Granted, it does seem. I mean, it is wrong to. Push, you know, he had a, back he on apparently your had a contract, and they did go back on it. So I get Which it. Which never happens in Hollywood. No, never happens. And I'm, but it's, I'm sure Quentin has always kept his word. <laughs> That's true. Can we check that? When you have an honorable man like he Quentin is. Tarantino, and you do something, anything against against his his values. So yeah, it's he's not like uh, he's Tom Hanks. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. Quentin Tarantino is the Tom Hanks of of Hollywood. Wait, mm. Tom Hanks is though. So yeah, that happened, and uh, no surprise. I feel like I like on paper, yeah, he has been wronged, but I'm just not on his side. I don't care. I don't know who is. Yeah. Um, those for you who uh, are really excited to see. Uh, so actually, in all seriousness, Tarantino's next film is pretty impressive because yeah. it is screening around the country on 70 millimeter, which is a really huge deal. No one does this anymore. This right. is a very old timey thing to do, and he is. Um, it's me playing in I think a hundred cities around yeah. um, the country. Milwaukee is one of them. 
It's playing out the at the Majestic yeah, really out in, in Waukesha. And uh, I don't know much about their screen setup. I do know if you're willing to drive a little bit further mm-hmm. <laughs> down to Chicago, the Music Box is playing it, and they are bringing in a fancy new screen, Yeah, which is apparently twice as big as the screen that they have been showing right. 70 millimeter on before. Yeah, well, isn't it, wasn't the arrangement was that Tarantino was outfitting the theaters that don't have the capacity? Really? So that well, that's I am, a good idea because I am got only seventy five percent sure of this. So you can fact check me. But I I had heard that he's providing or someone is providing these theaters that don't have it with the ability to show seventy millimeter. I don't it's know. It's not Disney. Disney not doing that. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm interested to see it. it. It's a lot like the Oprah Book Club for me. I like what he's doing for <laughs> for cinemas as o- Oprah uh, got people to read. I don't know if I'm going to read those books, but I'm glad he's getting other people to read. <laughs> I love it. Quentin Tarantino is the Oprah of the oh, film. He's, yeah, is he should... the Tom Hanks or is he the Oprah? Do oh. we need to discuss this further? <laughs> or is he the Carrot Top? <laughs> You discuss. Fantastic. All right. We're going back to the soundtrack of songs that will not win the Oscars. Yeah. Number two is from a, a movie called Youth. Oh, I From know Paolo Sorrentino. It was the opening night of the Milwaukee Film Festival this yeah. year. It's coming to the Downer, I think, in the next week. Yeah, I think there's a couple poss- acting nominations for Golden Globes for, for Harvey somebody. Keitel, Michael Caine, Jane Fonda, right, yeah. Rachel Weisz, Paul Dano are all in it, yeah. getting a lot of good attention. Uh, I'm not sure. the sound, His soundtracks, the director's soundtracks, are, are pretty amazing. They're yeah. just not... Um, <clears throat> Oscar, it, it's, Oscar it's, material. It's not the Bond theme song is yeah. what I'm saying to you. <laughs> None of these are the Bond theme songs. Nope, so that's why we're playing that's them. That's why their chances are so lower. They get a little light of day before yeah. you forget them again. No Randy Newmans. Nope. <laughs> this is Simple Song number 3 by Sumi Joe. Welcome back to the Tiny Film Invasion here on WMSC 91.7 FM. I'm Blythe. I'm here with Christopher. We're talking about film news this week. Was that called Simple Song? Simple Song number three. We didn't even get to the part where she sings, which is lovely. I would say it is a very simple song, but it is really, really pretty. It is. It is. It will not win the Oscar. No, it will not win. Nope. It's probably too good to win the Oscar. (laughs) That happens quite a bit. It does. Uh, So um, here's something that I want to talk about. Beyonce. Oh, well, that's no, that's a no-brainer. Who doesn't want to talk about Beyonce all, all the time? time, right? So uh, the the news, the breaking news is that Bradley Cooper yeah. is set to co-star and direct his oh. feature uh, film directing debut. Okay. A Star is Born, a remake with yeah. Beyonce. <laughs> See, I can't so many- wait. Yeah. 
I have a lot of feelings. I know, and right? Most of them are mixed up. I, so mixed up. Yeah. What I didn't know is this is almost the most remade film ever. Is it really? Uh, it was uh, the first time was in 1937. Uh, then again in 1954. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, there was. <laughs> There was, was 1932 version. The, the, yeah, there was a v- version in 32, then 37, 54, which wow. was with Judy Garland. Okay. Cannot be oh, that, right? right? Then and, Barbara Streisand And then too, 1976 right? and Barbara Streisand <clears throat> with Chris Christopherson, critically panned at the time, but really? it was the second highest grossing film that year. <laughs> so uh, I really- Chris Christopherson, box office gold, that's why. I can just picture so clearly the uh, cover of the soundtrack of the, the yeah. album. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's both of them naked. They both had this beautifully curly, like, yeah, very dated. throwed out hair yeah. with their hands on each other's chests, looking at each other. The pinnacle of romance. If we can recreate that with Bradley Cooper and Beyonce, <laughs> I'm in. <clears throat> yeah, see, this is interesting uh, because uh I want to see Beyonce do everything. Like, I just like having <laughs> careful, her present. Careful. No, I know. <laughs> I do mean it. I meant what I said. But it's I family also, show, Christopher. Um, it's really not. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I also, uh, especially lately, have been so sensitive to remakes because it's getting out. It's getting so out of hand. What could be more out of hand than like five times? No, very. It's crazy. It's and. <laughs> Bradley Cooper's first time he's like oh I'll just uh, guess oh, yeah. I'll just direct a star is born after the movie The Player which is a great movie that everyone should see which is about Hollywood um, there's a scene in which there's a few scenes in which you're kind of outside a, a, an executive office and you're hearing someone pitch a movie and each one of them could be a real movie but it's a spoof I mean it's like it's gonna be like this crossed with this starring this person it's like this Ba-bow! is this is how <laughs> these movies are pitched and it sounds like a joke, but no, it's a real thing. So Bradley Cooper, his first directorial debut, here's what we're going to do. We're going to remake a classic, Star is Born, let's say. But we'll get a Beyonce type. You sound like Ali Baldwin. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. I mean, I hear things like this. I'm like, that could be a joke or a real thing. I It's 50-50 chance. Here's another th- yeah. uh, part that could be a joke or a real thing. Yeah. Um, Beyonce has reportedly been taking acting lessons and looking for an iconic dramatic role. Sure. Enter Bradley Cooper. Yes. We're going to remake Breakfast at Tiffany's, but Miley Cyrus. I think she's she's a skinny gal, and she'd do great. Just throw the dress on and give her a croissant. You got it. Breakfast at Tiffany's 2, the breakfasting. Sold. Billions of dollars. I'm so, uh, yeah, I, I'm terrified I, of this I can't happening. tell you, everything in me wants to see all of these films in a row <laughs> And then see the the new one. Someone please have that marathon. Oh, yeah. Union Theater, I think you can do it for us. Every star is born. Do it. Oh, my gosh. Oriental, go through the night. I don't care what it takes, but we need to see all of these films in order. Yeah. Ending with Beyonce. What's the soundtrack going to be like? Oh, oh, oh it's going to be delightful. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Okay, here's, I'm going to end, are we ending? We're close, yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to end on something like a simple and nice story of a positive movie experience. Are you the, sure you're on the right show? No, it happens sometimes. Chalk this, the, the beginning line of the article I read is, chalk this one up for a victory for film. So it's a first time featured director. He, he's a very successful shorts director, Dennis Hawk, or Hawk, I don't know how you say his name. Uh, he's debuting a uh, like a detective noir 
uh, neo-noir film called Too Late. And it stars one of my favorite character actors, John Hawks. Uh, John Hawks. Oh, I like him. Yeah, you may know from The Sessions. Um, he got, I believe he was nominated for that. Um, and Martha Marcy May Marlene. Uh, he was also in, uh, what was the uh, cable western show? Uh, Deadwood. Deadwood. He was also in Deadwood. He was fantastic. Uh, so the crime drama is Hawks as a troubled private eye who gets entangled with a missing woman he's hired to find. Classic. Um, the thing is filmed in 35 millimeter which uh, is getting more and more rare these days. And um, they uh, have a deal with Alamo Drafthouse founders and CEO Tim League to distribute it and play it all in 35 millimeters. So they're, it's a, a, on a smaller scale than the 70 millimeter push from Quentin Tarantino, but they are uh, insisting it be played as it was meant to be shown. And they're. Which means it can play two places in Milwaukee the right. Uni Theater or the Oriental Theater, exactly. Main House. That's what you got. Right. And that's not too bad. I mean, that it's not that, too bad. That film wouldn't be shown in any other place. It's not showing in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Yeah, I'm telling him not, not seeing that when I'm a, going home. It's not going to be a big budget cinema. But I was kind of excited Fantastic. that they kind of defiantly uh, took on the distributors and said, you know, we're partnering and we're going to do this thing how it was meant to be seen. Drive House is really an amazing model for the country. For sure. They're um, they are a distributor. They they are have a chain of theaters. They're really hardcore about their no talking and texting policy. Oh, They've Every, That's delightful. Every so often, there's a story about them, you know, throwing someone out of the theater. I just love it. Oh my god, that it needs makes to happen. Cheer every time. That needs to happen everywhere. I know. Also, just excited to see John Hawks in another starring role. I like it uh, occasionally. He, I mean, he's really good. He's really well respected. So occasionally, he'll get these independent film roles and. He was in uh, Me, You, and Everyone We Know, the Miranda July oh, film. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. He's great in that. He's phenomenal. So he's a subtle but really wonderful actor. So having him in a noir where he plays a detective, I could not be more excited about it's that. It's perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. just custom made for you, Christopher. For certain. Two quick things I want to mention that happened that were announced over the past week. Yeah. Milwaukee, look out. Uh, the MSO is having a. Um, oh, yeah. It's doing The Godfather. They screen The Godfather and this they play exciting. the live score. Also, uh, coming to the Riverside, Back to the Future. Oh, with uh, with Doc. Yes, with Doc's Doc coming. in person. Yeah, both of those things are coming up. I think we'll we'll have Andy come on from the Paps and sure. talk about. We'll have a nice Back to the Future episode that is in May. Yeah. No. February. Yeah. And Godfather is sometime. I think Godfather's in May. May. I'm very excited about seeing The Godfather. First of all, just on the big screen, much less with an with an orchestra I doing know. the score. That's going to be uh, like a rare especially for the Midwest. I mean, a really rare experience. I'm excited about that. Yeah, so those are two pretty awesome uh, movie things. That's all the time we have left for today. Impossible. I can't believe it. Tiny Film Invasion is sponsored by M Magazine, Milwaukee's lifestyle magazine, providing editorial on home health, fashion, arts and culture, and dining in Milwaukee. It's available monthly in print, online, and as a complimentary digital edition app. This month's issue is the Epicurean issue featuring stories on the best places for Milwaukee foodies to find gourmet items, along with local market owners, talking shop, and more. More information is available at mazmilwaukee.com. We have one song left to play from our list of songs that will not win the Oscar this year. they're too good for it. Uh, this case, perhaps not. Oh, <laughs> I, I, 
I chose it because it's Al Pacino singing. And there's no way that Al Pacino should win an Oscar for singing. Oh, now you just jinxed it. I don't even know what's going to happen Congratulations, with this. Congratulations, Al Pacino. You I'm just won an Oscar. throwing it in. <laughs> this is from the movie Danny Collins, which came out earlier this year, which I didn't see. Uh, it was directed by uh, this, the guy, Dan Fogelman, who's best known as the screenwriter for the Cars films. Okay. Yep. See what Sounds I'm saying? Like gold. Not gonna win the <laughs> song of the year. You just jinxed it. <laughs> Bob, before we leave you with Al Pacino singing "Baby Doll," I just want to say hi to my dad. He's feeling a little under the weather. Hello, Mr. Meyer. <laughs> we hope you're feeling good real soon. Yeah. All right. This is little Al Pacino. Happy holidays, everybody. Singing "Baby Doll." Fly so far.